too because we're four minutes late. Sorry. Yay, we're live. I think we're live. Should be live. Maybe we're live. I hope we're live. 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 Not dead. Trying to discover if we're live right now. We are alive. Yay. Well, no, I'm just kind of joking with that. So we're dead. Or we're dead. One of those two. Could happen. Or we're undead. Or we're reanimated. Walking dead. Or someone's possessing our bodies. Tap to unmute. All right, cool. We have audio. Cool. <laughs> it's always fun when we like hear ourselves while we're doing the stuff. It's like I didn't know there was that much of a delay, and apparently there is. Yes, there is. I'm, I'm trying to at least a good seven seconds. Though I don't have the chat open. Damn it. Uh, okay. Hopefully I can. Oh, I got no. That's dead. Uh, <laughs> so if we are live and you are chatting, we will eventually be able to read your stuff. Maybe. Uh, until then, I hope you guys are enjoying the stream. Uh, yes, we are live right now, actually. Woo! So, I am JT, and joining me is Ryan O'Regan, Big O. And, Big O! Action! And I know I sound very unexciting right now, but uh, today we are talking about uh, New York Comic Con 2017. It has uh, just ended, and well, we are now doing our recap. I mean, oh, it's, it's still, it's still going? slightly going on. Slightly, slightly. I mean, there's still probably a few things that are be coming up in the later part of the day. But usually Sunday is like the dead day. You know, you don't get as much news. And probably the biggest news of the day, everyone's already saw earlier, which was probably the Justice League trailer. Oh, I didn't even hear. When did the, that come out? It came out earlier. It's like uh, earlier in the afternoon, which I checked it out. And it was pretty much par for the course. I mean, you got a nice little showing of uh, a little more of the teamwork between everyone interacting with each other during the big fight scenes. But outside of that, the only big reveal of it was probably, hey, we see Superman. But yeah. not in the way that you would expect. It's more of like a, a, another uh, dream sequence. It's pretty much uh, Lois out on the Kent farm, uh, coming off the porch, uh, sees Clark out there in the field, uh, pretty much uh, turns to her while he's wearing a red flannel shirt, very country. And it says, I guess that means yes, because of the whole thing of her wearing the wedding ring when she was dropping the dirt on the grave in the first movie. And then it pretty much, boom, she wakes up. That, that was the extent of having, uh, you know, Cavill in the trailer. Nothing, nothing with the black suit, no digitalized mustache that I could tell. Nothing about him interacting with the team, just dream sequence. Fantastic. I know. Very very uh, par for the course, really, when it comes to these sort of things. Although, uh, as Comic-Con as a whole, uh, just getting into you know, the whole stream of it, I'd have to say DC won this. I mean, not that necessarily there should still be DC versus Marvel, but DC, there was definitely a lot more coming from uh, them than Marvel was. Marvel was pretty much more focused on a lot of the TV aspect of their brands. Not even so much uh, Thor Ragnarok, which is coming out in like a month. And there was hardly anything for that. But DC came out in full force with comics, with television, with Justice League. You know, so they really won it this year. What, what did they come out with uh, besides Justice League? Uh, well, if I can uh, just grab my uh, show notes here for a second. <laughs> because I was going ahead and I was trying to recap what I could. Uh, pretty much what I saw and what I wasn't able to see. Because I was only there on Friday, mind you. Which... I have proof. I was there on Friday. Uh, 
I don't know, even though I had a couple friends that were there, like, for the whole weekend. I'm like, how do you even afford that? God bless you. But uh, as far as uh, DC is concerned, primarily, um, there was the uh, the Gotham by Gaslight um, panel that was going on, which is the next uh, big DC animated uh, movie coming out. An Elseworld story. I uh, don't know if you know much about the Elseworld stuff, but it's always like those uh, one-offs that are like, oh, well, what if all this stuff happened back in, like, uh, the Victorian age? Or what if this stuff was, like, you know, happening in the future when, you know, kind, kind of like the first Elseworld that you could say was, like, uh, the Dark Knight Returns, you know, because it was just so far off and away from everything else that was going on at the time. And this is basically the same thing. It's Batman versus Jack the Ripper, which is, you know, very nice. It's very street-oriented, very dark, very noir, but also very much in tune with what the Batman character is. So that's always good. Um, there was news about Constantine. Constantine is finally getting his own animated show on the CW Seed. That's... Which is actually pretty decent, because really, CW Seed is like one of those overlooked things that not a lot of people follow up on. Uh, it's pretty much a place where they go ahead and they run syndicated shows and, you know, old seasons of old shows that they used to have on the CW. But it's also been a home for extended things on the Arrowverse. They've had two seasons right now of Vixen which is how we were able to establish the character before putting it over into Arrow and Flash and all them. So it really helped with that character, and Constantine's going to be getting his own show like there. Plus, he is also going to be showing up on Legends of Tomorrow. And in both cases, still played by Matt Ryan from the original NBC television show, so he is like locked into this character. He is pretty much the de facto Constantine at this point, which is really nice. Yeah, he, he looks like he, he, he be fair, uh, I hate to say it, it, that was one of the shows I always wanted to check out and I never had time to, but from what little I did see of it, he seems like a perfect Constantine. He really does. He, he fits it a lot better than Keanu Reeves. I mean, not nothing against Keanu Reeves, but Keanu Reeves was pretty much more of like a, uh, a an L.A. makeup of the character. It really didn't have that kind of same feel. It was more PG-13. This Constantine feels like he can go ahead and get down and dirty if necessary, which is essentially what the character does. He's uncouth, in a sense. <laughs> um, outside of those things, um, there was talk, I believe... Uh, let me just check here. Uh, Batman vs. Two-Face. They finally had a panel on that. Uh, they showed the, the main animated film of the, uh, the 60s-era Batman with Adam West. Uh, supposedly his last thing before he had to die unfortunately before he had to die well i mean he didn't have to i mean he could have stayed a little bit longer i'm sure most great people at that age can but you know it was sad to you know hear about that this was like the final thing although technically it's not the final thing of his uh, and i'll get into that a little bit later when i talk about my friday and uh, Doomsday Clock, which was pretty much the big thing comic book wise this uh, this Comic Con, and the fact that it is a sequel to Watchmen. Now, anyone that's read Watchmen would probably think, why would you even do a sequel? Even the prequel stuff, like before Watchmen, wasn't so great. But yeah, it is a sequel. It has the characters in there. It's have the it's dealing with the characters that have been teased all throughout the past year, and you got to see the first six pages of doomsday clock uh which was pretty much uh in placed in 1992 so it's that many years after the original story and everything's in an uproar the stuff that uh rorschach put into the book that you've seen well 
spoiler alert, if you've never read Watchmen, if you're one of those people that loves comic but never read Watchmen, let me spoil this for you. Azamandias, his whole plan, his whole thing is outlined in Rorschach's diary, which he sends off in the mail before he goes up to the Arctic to fight him with, you know, Night Owl and Spectre and all them. People die, people disappear, people give up. I'm not going to say much more than that. But the book itself does get into the hands of a reporter by the end of the book. And we see this many years later, everything, I guess, was proofread, everything was checked out, and people are going apeshit. People are insane. There's stuff going on at the White House. There's stuff going on over at the uh, Vet Industries, which is on Mendeus' uh, company. And it's just riots and anger and without going into too much spoiler territory you do get to see a character who is supposedly dead all of a sudden show back up which is comic book oh, 101 I wonder who that is yes it's a it's a question but i mean we've already been teased about no other question. characters yeah <laughs> the, the parallel between yeah okay i get it but uh, I mean, this isn't be too surprising considering we've already seen certain characters pop up elsewhere. I mean, we saw the the comedian badge. We've seen instances of uh, Doctor Manhattan, and now we have this character too. So it's only a a, a certainty we'll be seeing others pop up, and it's basically these people that are going to be crossing over into the DC timeline. So it's again, it's multiverse stuff. You know, people crossing over every so often. How, okay. we don't know, but we do know this much. It somehow involves Superman. Superman is at the crux of this thing, as is, supposedly, oh. his father. Well, wait, 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 wait. So, may- maybe, i I'll be honest, I'm going back and forth between this and doing our social media. <laughs> uh, so, what you're saying is, uh, I thought you were talking about the movie. What you're, you're actually talking about the continuation of Rebirth? Yeah, yeah I'm talking like straight comics comics. Okay, okay. Yeah, because, I mean... Well, I mean, it's everything that uh, DC really paled into. I mean, like I said, Marvel was more focused on the television stuff, but DC had a little bit for everybody, which is really nice that you go ahead and you go to Comic-Con and you actually talk about something that's going on in the comics for once. Not movies, not television shows, but the comics. And this is pretty much like the biggest thing that they have going on right now. This and maybe the, the Batman Metal series, which uh, they did show the cover art for the second one, which is, I guess, the Aquaman or Aquawoman uh, Batman that there's going to be doing on the next one. But Doomsday Clock, I think, was like the bigger piece of noise because of what it's actually dealing with, the characters that it's bringing back in, and the fact that you're touching something that... Like, uh, one person, John Schnepp, who's a director, filmmaker, commentator, uh, reviewer, he pretty much said, if Alan Moore was in a grave, he'd be rolling in it. Just because. Because he, you know how... Anyone that knows anything about Alan Moore, he is like... Super protective of his stuff, and it's like if you even mess up on like one hairline on a character, boom, you are dead to him. He criticizes everything. So the fact that they're even going ahead, and the fact that they did the prequel stuff, the before Watchmen stuff, which was hit and miss, now we're doing a sequel after Watchmen. I'm like, I almost wonder if this is like necessary. Oh no, it's not. But uh, but they want money. Well, and to top it off, you know, I mean, even before Comic Con, there was the talk of the Watchmen TV series that is going to be now on HBO. So they are really right. pounding out the Watchmen material. It's like, God forbid, they actually come up with some original characters, which they're doing with the Batman Metal series. But now they're rehashing characters that, to a certain extent, are almost untouchable. 
because Lord knows they tried it with the live action movie and that was hit and miss with a lot of people too. Even though I enjoyed it, a lot of people thought it was a, a campy representation and they it was almost too by the book. It was almost too frame for frame. Well, even Alan Moore has gone on record to say, like, you can't really do a live action uh, Watchmen justice. It's like he he said that's really a comic book and you could really only tell that story in a comic book. It's hard to bring it into a different medium. Mm -hmm. And I after seeing the movie, I I enjoyed it, too. But you know what? I think he's right. Well, I mean, it, it depends on which version you're talking with. The version I enjoy more is like the box edition that has, like, the animated thing with, like, the pirate and all that, like, kind of interwoven in the story. So, I mean, that... Well, if you go ahead and you get, like, the full spectrum of the story and you have, like, the whole dialogue going the way the comic book was done, do a faithful adaptation of it, then fine. But the cinematic version that was just put into theaters, it was, like, it was almost a little too choppy. I mean, I do like the whole idea of, like, doing the early Watchmen stuff, like the predecessors in that opening credit scene, I thought that was very creative because Lord knows there was enough history back then you had to touch on that. But outside of that, I just felt like maybe you could have revisited some of the past stuff a little bit more, all the little excerpts that are in the book about the stories of these older characters and how they're going to relate. There was so much rich history that, yeah, to just do like a two and a half hour movie, you don't do it justice. So hopefully... Since we're going to have a whole live-action television series, we're going to have a lot more time with it. They'll be able to devote more time to the stuff that kind of got left on the floor. That's the hope. It's HBO. Lord knows they've had a decent track record, but this would really be like their first foray into like the comic book territory. Not to say they haven't done things... That's Spawn. Well, that's animated, though. Like that that was like an animated thing. So I mean whenever I think you do animated television shows as opposed to like wait, live wait, wait, action wait. television shows. It this this Watchmen thing's gonna be live action? Oh yeah. Oh no. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, no, no. This is gonna be live action. that's what I'm saying. Like if you do like animated as opposed to live action, I think with animated you're giving them a little a lot more leeway. You can stay a lot more faithful, you can do a lot more cinematically and visually. So, anime would have been hella easy. But no, this is going to be uh, supposedly live action. This is going to be like big money. It's going to be really a question of who they cast, too. Because Lloyd knows a lot of the people that were cast in the original movie. Some of them I know. Some of them I didn't. Um, it, was, it was a question of whether or not they were going to be able to carry on the role well enough. I mean, certainly, um, what was it? Jeffrey Dean Morgan as the comedian? That was gold. That was, that was really good casting. But... Mm -hmm. Uh, what was it, uh, Billy Crudup, I think, as Dr. Manhattan, with the, you know, blue dangle dickle every time, and, mm, it, like, if I didn't research the movie, I wouldn't even have figured who the guy was. It was, like, that forgettable of an actor into the role. I just know big blue guy. You know, whereas with other CGI characters, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, he was the one that did that. Well, I mean, it, Dr. Manhattan didn't really have much of a personality anyway, so... I know, but I mean, there should still be something that like shines through from the acting. I think, and you know, as good as Billy is, it was just, yeah, no, you're Doctor Manhattan. I don't even know who the hell you are otherwise. Who would you have cast as Doctor Manhattan uh, for someone that's stoic and omnipotent? Mm -hmm. um, like, am I casting back then or am I casting now? Uh, either. All right. Um, I think if I was casting back then. 
Like, if you really wanted to get, like, some big money on that, if you really wanted to get, like, a big-name actor, Daniel Day-Lewis. I think Daniel Day-Lewis would have brought enough gravity to the words, as monotone as they may have been, but he would have been able to add some depth to it. He would have, I think, made the character a little bit more sympathetic. And if I was to cast now, since Daniel Day-Lewis is retired, retired. He retired? Supposedly. Uh, he's got maybe one more movie coming up and then he's done. But we'll see. Because everyone always says they retire and they really don't. Um, but if I was to cast it now, if I was to cast for a television version, uh, I this, this may be uh, a, a weird thing to put on, but uh, one of the Winchesters. Winchesters? From uh, Supernatural. Um, uh, well, uh, I'm going to butcher the name. Uh Jared Padalecki, I think is how the name is sound. But I would put Jared Padalecki as Dr. Manhattan. Simply because there have been things in the show that have shown him to be um, a good, stoic, monotone sort of character at times. Where, you know, the emotion is there, but it's not present in the character, but you feel it in his words. And I would probably give him the chance. Give him something to do outside of Supernatural, for one. Because Lord knows that. I mean, that's going on for 13 years. He's certainly gotten old enough from his 20s when he first started the show. Um, but I could definitely see him as, like, that person. You know, cut the hair a little bit and you're good. Um, but, I mean, regardless, it's going to be an interesting experiment as to whether or not this thing pulls off well. But... Lord knows DC is at least going ahead and trying something other than the, you know, something crisis. You know, we can at least say that. It's not a crisis story, I hope, <laughs> even though it's multiversal. And then later on, it's like, and we've reached the Watchmen crisis. Oh, God. If they, if they go <laughs> clock crisis, I'm going to go like, oh, no. Clock crisis. Hashtag clock crisis. Manhattan crisis. <laughs> The Manhattan Crisis. Um, oh, that, that's almost bad because it's a really good title now that you say it off. It's like, The Manhattan Crisis. It's like, I'm just thinking nuclear bombs in like all of the New York cities that cross the multiverse. I'm like, shit. Which Dr. Manhattan can do. He, he can do plenty. Yes, he can do a lot. Um, Anything you do, I can blow up. <laughs> um, so, Comic-Con wise, uh, what did you want me to talk about my Friday experience, or did you want to like run down the rest of the stuff that happened throughout the week from Thursday on? Because uh, I mean, we pretty much touched on the DC stuff, which was like the big noise. I mean, uh, probably one of the biggest exhibits there was Justice League, with like the whole row of all the costumes that are being set up for it. It looked really nice, but outside of that, all the material, all the good material that was coming out, was primarily from them. Yeah, I think Marvel, the only thing I recall, because I, I, unfortunately I didn't get to go to Comic-Con, uh, though a funny story, uh, I work in New York City and I was there Saturday and I got to fight through the crowd to, to get to, what, to just get, get, get to my train? job. Oh. Yeah, it's like, usually I, I go on a Saturday and uh, the train will be dead and I'll always get a train ride and there'll usually be like another five people in the car with me. Oh, that this was like it was but not packed. today. Not that day. It's like where where are you all you people here? Go away. Well, where do you work in regards to like the the like the Javits Center, which obviously is where the main crux of everything was happening. I mean, because there's a lot of locations. Not close. Yeah, because that's the thing. Now they've gone ahead and they've expanded to other areas. So 
while there's stuff going on at the Javits Center, which is where a lot of the stuff is, especially like the, the comic panels, all the ad additional artists, all the um, main brands trying to sell their stuff. Then you also have stuff going on all day at MSG and Hammerstein Ballroom, which I finally got to go to Hammerstein Ballroom for once in my <laughs> life. So that was fun. So, so there was stuff going on at the Hammerstein Ballroom that was officially New York Comic Con. Absolutely, all day, wow. like every day. There was there, that's the thing. Comic Con has become such a big thing now; it can't be held at just the Javits Center, and they really need to find a better location to house it all. Because now, if you want to go ahead and experience what you want to throughout the day, chances are you got to go from MSG just to start the day, like I did then go to the Javits Center, then possibly go back, then go to another building, and then maybe over the Hammerstein Ballroom to end the day. You barely have time to see what's actually at the Javits Center, which is the majority of the stuff, because of all these additional panels for all these big-name things, which aren't in uh, the main hall, which is right there at the Javits Center. And, no, oh, it's split off all over the place. It, what really just, why it's insane to me, and I don't know how many people have actually ever been to the Jacob Javits Center, I, I've been there for not only New York Comic Con, but multiple other events. Jacob Javits is gigantic. Most conventions that go into the Jacob Javits Center take up like a one-fourth of that convention center. Mm -hmm. And it just shocks me. Like uh, the last year I ended up going to New York Comic Con, which was 2013, okay. I, I had to stop going because I actually felt claustrophobic in the Jacob Javits Center. It can be a bit much walking through there, yeah. Um, but like... Did you ever think you would ever be in a like jam packed like that in a convention center of that size? Well, this is my third time going to this one, so I do have to say that while I'm happy that maybe going by myself probably made it a little bit easier to maneuver through. God help me if I had to go with a group of people, because the first time I had to go, I had to go with like five or six different girls, and just trying to make sure everyone was wrangled together. And make sure we didn't lose anyone and that everyone got to see what they wanted to see. That was a struggle. And that was before they started offshooting some of the things over at MSG and Hammerstein and all that. That was before that was all necessary. Um, I think maybe, if anything, they were maybe doing The Walking Dead over at MSG. Because they had the panel there. But that was oh like God. the only thing that would have happened. Yeah. And But this... Man, it's like... You, it, it's almost like it's forcing you to not get a single day ticket. Because, obviously, it's very hard to see everything in a day now. But it, it's not like, well, yeah. I, but, you know, even if you get, like, it's near impossible to get these tickets, too. It's like they all sell out. I, I actually looked online. I think the only thing still available heading into the convention was the Thursday tickets. Yeah, they were promoting that heavily. It's like, hey, we still got Thursday tickets. You know, it's the first day and not everyone's showing up. But, hey, we got Thursday tickets. Well, I, I have to say, like, you know, Thursday's usually like that that day that most convention goers don't want to go. It's like, ah, no one's doing that stuff on Thursday. They just kind of threw that day on. I was looking at, like, there was a ton of stuff going on on Thursday. I think Peter Capoli was actually there on Thursday. So he had Doctor Who there. Friday. That, oh, he that, was how, that was how I started my day. That no, that but was, wasn't he there Thursday as well? well like, I mean, a lot of them were probably like there for like one thing or another, maybe doing like a, a panel or something like that, maybe for, just for Doctor Who in general, maybe with uh, Pearl Bailey, who was the last companion that was on the show with him. Um, I mean, the thing is, in regards to what actually went on um, Thursday, it was minimal. It wasn't like the big news stories. Like really, uh, if I'm going down my list here because I had it set up by day. Uh, these were the big news stories that came out Thursday-wise. Obviously, the Punisher panel got canceled 
because of what happened in Vegas. And, and I just, uh, if I may comment on that, like I then very quickly heard like, oh, but we replaced it with Stan Lee. Like, oh shit, you got Stan Lee to come? No, no, no. No, no. <laughs> we aired uh, a thing from Stan Lee from April. It's like, okay. Yeah, but I mean, as far as quick filler, I mean, I guess it's better than nothing. That's the thing. It, it's better than nothing, but don't promote it as, hey, we, we're replacing with Stan Lee. Well, they're not going to fly out a 90-something-year-old man and be like, the, the, oh, the Punisher but, panel no, got no, canceled. No, 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 no. we got to put that's, you in a room. That's not the point, though. Don't don't just... It's still poor promotion. That That's my point. Well, I mean, it's shooting from the hip at that thing. You know, I mean... Well, if... Yes. No, that, In the grand scheme of things, they probably should have done something with that, more Ragnarok, which they didn't really do. That is as poor promotion as saying, hey, we have Szechuan sauce at all our McDonald's. Oh, don't get me started on that <laughs> shit. Don't, don't, don't. Although I will say this about Comic-Con, at least. In the past couple of years, obviously, there's been a little bit of a trend in regards to cosplay. Um, aside from the whole uh, uh, cosplay doesn't mean... Um, you know, you have the right to do this, that, or anything. You know, being very protective of, uh, especially women, to go ahead and cosplay. Uh, there's always been, like, the traditional trend of, hey, it's cosplay at a Comic-Con convention, so all the guys are Deadpool, and all the girls are Harley Quinn, and then there's the few that kind of mix it up. You know, that was pretty much, like, the norm for a couple of years. This year, not that much Deadpool, not that much Harley Quinn. But you know what there was a lot of? Rick and Morty. <laughs> and and the beautiful thing about it is like there was an expanse, you know, it wasn't just guys dressing up as Rick and having their sons dressed up as Morty, you know, for the effect. You had people dressed up as Mr. Minxies, um you had uh, people dressed up as a uh, bird person, you had people dressed up as all these other ancillary characters, so it's like the whole universe in itself was cosplayed a lot more than your traditional items, which and that was just me seeing it on Friday. Lord knows how the rest of the weekend probably was, but I imagine that probably was the trend for the majority of the weekend, which I think is actually pretty cool, that a television show on Adult Swim has surpassed the iconic Deadpool character and the trope of uh, sexy Harley Quinn, which was certainly present last year after the whole Suicide Squad thing. <laughs> so that's really cool. That's really going ahead and seeing. I mean, I would like to see more comic book characters, and Lord knows there was enough of people that were dressed up as Justice League characters, but at least there's an expanse of those characters too. So it's not like everyone was Batman or everyone was um, Wonder Woman. Every woman was Wonder Woman, or every guy with abs dressed up as Aquaman. You know, it wasn't like that. So it's nice to see that there's finally a little more variance going on. And I, yeah, I know he's adjusting me. That's okay. Ah, brightly. <laughs> So, so I, no, sorry about that. I, I'm like looking. You're talking. I'm like look at the video, and it's like your head disappeared. Like the the light behind you is <laughs> blowing you out somehow. Oh, if only I had that for every time. No, no. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, as for the Szechuan sauce thing, Jesus fucking Christ, man! McDonald's, you had the opportunity, and you screwed the pooch. You 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 screwed it. You basically gave it a, a laced doggy biscuit put it on the ground, pet it to sleep, and then just went to town on it. That's how bad you did this. The, I mean, I actually went through a McDonald's, and the line for the drive-thru was ridiculous because, mind you, I couldn't get any of the nugget stuff because I had to go into work. So I was pretty much bartending all day from, like, 11.30 to 11.30. So I just went in, and I was trying to get, like, a couple of egg McMuffins so this way I could have some breakfast before I went in. 
and the line that early, you know, before the lunch items really got underway, the line that early was already going out the door. Well, I think there was there was some poor promotion even on what it what they were promising everyone. I uh, I ended up taking a look at it and no no it wasn't taking I I was talking about all the Comic Con people I ran into on the train. Mm-hmm. I luckily ran into some friends and they were started talking to me about the the sauce and they said, oh yeah, you're not going to get any sauce. <laughs> They don't start the promotion until 12. Some places don't start it until 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even it, then, some places were gone by that. And they were saying, like, and it's it's going to be a limited round of sauce. Didn't realize it was going to be 20 packets per location. So how did you get as much sauce as you needed for Milan? But for this promotional, it's like, you get 20, and you get 20. And, you, and not every McDonald's, too. It was select locations. Even in New York City. I had to like map it out. Like even one of the bigger McDonald's in mm-hmm. New York City, which is the one off of Fifth, they they had the promotional like you can get the poster for Rick and Morty, but they had none of the sauce. <laughs> that that's terrible, especially in New York because they know Comic Con was going on. So if any location was going to have a bunch of Ricky Morty stuff, it should have been New York City. New York City should have been the main hub for all Szechuan sauce. With all the Comic-Con people coming and going, all the McDonald's that are from uh, MSG, where the Penn train station is, all the way to Javits Center, which there's at least three or four, I think. And nothing. Basically nothing. That is terrible. That I kept looking on Twitter and I saw messages from these parents talking about how their kids were crying that they couldn't get the sauce. McDonald's made... Now, mind you, there were probably some little kids that shouldn't be watching Rick and Morty, but if it's with parental supervision, fine. All, all power to you. But the fact that they've gone ahead and ran a promotion where you go there, you do everything right, you get there early enough, you get online, and then you still don't get it. And the best they can give you is a cheap poster showing the sauce on the poster in some sort of <laughs> wondrous little alien world. It's like, oh, look at how happy these people are. You'd be happy too if you got the Szechuan sauce, but you didn't, you poor little shit. You didn't get it. <laughs> that is terrible. That is so terrible. And, you know, I, I feel for the people. Lord knows. I mean, chances are if I was actually going for that that day, I'd be a little miffed myself. But I, I actually remember having the Szechuan sauce from when I was a kid, back when Mulan came out, because they ran all those kinds of advertisements. It wasn't all that. <laughs> like, it was a little, it was pretty much like barbecue sauce plus sweet and sour sauce mixed with salt. That's essentially it, because it's a teriyaki sauce. So, you can only go so far with that kind of flavor. So... I almost kind of want to put that to a test. I want to go get some barbecue and sweet and sour and mix it together and see what A couple of dashes of salt. Yeah, go ahead. And there we go. And then I'll start selling it. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, buy, buy your you. bootleg session. That's my idea. Yes. Mine. Not even his. No. Mine. <laughs> Ignore the fact that he just gave me the recipe. I didn't give you how many portions. I didn't give you, you know, the exact measurements. So for what I know, your thing's going to be like all salt and it's going to be brown colored. Yeah, we're going to go off the air, and I'm going to pull out a bat, and I'm going to get it out of him. <laughs> so th- if this is the last episode you see of this show, you know what happened. <laughs> there was a fight to the death. That's how it, JT and Vigo ended. <laughs> uh, oh man. And on that morose point. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, I mean, other things that was going on. Uh, let, let's just go through the day-to-day on, on this um Obviously, the like I said, Punisher got canceled because of the stuff in Vegas, so obviously they had to go ahead and fill it up with something. Um, Bride of Frankenstein was delayed, so the, I mean, the Dark Universe right now is still in a shambles. 
And there's even talk now that Angelina Jolie, who was originally discussed to be the Bride of Frankenstein, is not going to be the Bride of Frankenstein, but instead they're looking at Gal Gadot, which I guess could be good, but again, you're still going with like a big-name person, which is going to hike up the budget for this damn thing. You already got Javier Bardem as Dr. Frankenstein himself. Or the monster, I'm the I'm getting, I think, no, I think it's going to be the doctor. I, I forget who they're actually getting to play the monster. But, at this point, maybe just pump the brakes on the Dark Universe stuff. You know, just yeah. give it a little bit more analysis. Yeah, because, because uh, they, they've now had two bombs with that series, correct? Technically only one. Uh, Dracula Untold isn't really part of it, they say. But Mummy was, and they were like, don't worry, th- th- this one is part of it, and then that sucked. And yeah. And they're like, oh, shit. Yeah, so much to the point, I don't <laughs> think it did Tom Cruise any favors when American Made came out last week. So that was a little concerning. And it was one of those things where, you know, you have a brand new... Uh, yeah, watch out where you're touching that. <laughs> is it like one of those things where it's like, you know, the electronic homophone things, like I move my hands and it's like... You get more vo- No, I, I think the wire was a little uh, little off there. Oh, so I fixed it. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, uh, fix it. But yeah, it was one of those things where it's like uh, you got a brand new Tom Cruise movie and it made just as much money, almost equally, to it and Kingsman. Both movies that have been out for a while and did much bigger in their premieres. So that didn't help Tom Cruise in any way, shape, or form. And uh, if that's the case, if that's the how this uh, mummy movie is going to go on because i mean is it even out on dvd yet i'm not sure but if it is i don't think so yeah i can only imagine what the sales on that's going to be and that's going to be also the determining factor too but if you've got a problem with just your first movie yeah take the delay reevaluate everything really think about what you can do cost effectively and what's going to make the best story and if gal gadot is cheaper than angelina jolie which after wonder woman i don't see how it could be uh you know, make sure that you're using her properly. You know, who owns the rights to uh, to the Friday the Thirteenth series? Uh, Friday the Thirteenth. Um, and, and I, I think I think that's all still under. Um, I I want to say Universal. No, 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 maybe not. The the reason I, I bring mm. it up because you know, like they're trying to create this dark universe out of classic movies from years ago. My thought process was always maybe you need to start bu- building it around like the modern day monsters, the Mike Myers and the Jasons and the Freddies and stuff like that. I think, but you know what? I, I'm I'm from like the '80s '90s generation. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why I want it. Maybe that wouldn't even be appealing these days. I, I think maybe like they're relying on stuff that is not as marketable as it once was. Well, I mean, you're talking about something that they kind of attempted with, like, Freddy vs. Jason. And they were probably going to go ahead and expand into that. There was talk about Freddy vs. Jason vs. Ash from The Evil Dead as being the sequel follow-up to that one. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there was certainly talks about doing something like that. But again, the first movie, as iconic as it may be, it didn't do that well in theaters. So I think they kind of scrapped the idea of going ahead and continuing even further, especially considering how old Robert England is and... You know, they tried recasting Freddie, and that didn't even work either. Well, the, and and that's why I'm kind of even starting to feel is like even the the monsters from my period, from our period, are not as marketable as they used to be. And now they're trying like, well, we're gonna try the ones from the 1920s. Like, all right, well, you just tried Dracula, and that didn't work. You tried Mummy, and that didn't work. 
now you're going to try Bride of Frankenstein. And no offense to uh, to Wonder Woman. It's because I, I keep screwing up her name for some reason. Gal, Gal. Godot. Godot. Well, Godot. You got to put the T on the end. It's, it's not like that Frenchy sort of thing. It does like, have T in there. It does Godot, have the T. Godot. Uh, Godot. She's not a bad actress, but she's not a great actress. And the same thing with the Angel, Angelia Jolie. She's a good actress, but not a great actress. It's very obvious that they're only hiring either one of those two because of the name. Because they already don't think that uh, Bride of Frankenstein will sell this alone. They need a name attached to it. Mm -hmm. That already tells you from the bat, this is probably not going to work. Again, it's really going to be a question of how they utilize her. I mean, with someone like Gal Gadot, whose acting is hit and miss... To play a character like the Bride of Frankenstein, who for the most part just like hisses and is more uh, visually dynamic than saying anything that their words come across as, it could work. It really could. I think it makes more sense to put a ca- an actor like that into that kind of a role than to say someone like Angelina Jolie, who you know definitely looks nice enough, but certainly has better acting chops. But what I'm trying to say is the title character, which you are going for this brand because it is a brand, mm-hmm. because uh, this, the special effects should attack, uh, attract you, because the name should attract you, and you don't even feel that's enough, so you have to actually put a star in that role, where that could be a unnamed person, and you could actually, whoever does have the more dialogue, juicy roles, that's where you would put like a name actor. Absolutely. I mean, there there's a world of possibility that you could work with. And especially considering how much money you already lost on the first movie of this franchise, you really want to go ahead and reevaluate. And I don't know if they're necessarily doing that in the best way, but at least they're going back to something of a drawing board. They're, they're holding back a little bit. Now, whether or not they should hold back more will remain to be seen. But at least I think it was smart of them to go ahead and, like, you know, recluse themselves from doing anything just yet. You know, maybe seeing how things work out with Justice League, seeing how things work out with other properties, other actors or actresses. Because, I mean, there are a wealth of other actresses that are coming up that could easily fill the role. You could easily fill it with someone like uh, Alicia Vikander, if you wanted to, who's already got uh, Tomb Raider going on, too, even though that's not looking like the best movie in the world. But the trailer is certainly dynamic enough, and her name is big enough that... It's Who's in the, the Tomb Raider? Alicia Vikander. Um, okay. I'm not sure what you might know her from. Uh, certainly Ex Machina. She was the robot. Okay. Or artificial I forget what exactly. I didn't watch the movie, so I don't care. You, you didn't watch Ex Machina? <laughs> no, I didn't. Oh, dude. I uh, looked at it, it's like, eh. Terrible, terrible, terrible. <laughs> but anyway, so that going aside, um, what else was going on with Thursday? Um... Oh, uh, Replicas. You got the first look at Replicas, the new uh, 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 Keanu, Keanu Reeves, Reeves movie, movie, which um, is essentially the Venture Brothers. I, I get what you're going at, but <laughs> I, I wouldn't call it Venture Brothers. But, I think I mean, that's that, a bad description. No, but I mean, that's essentially, the, I mean, take the comedic side from Venture Brothers away. That's essentially the aesthetic of the family, you know, cloning yeah. and putting the memories and everything back into the clones. So this way it's like nothing happened. I mean... We've seen stuff like this before, so if it wasn't for Keanu Reeves being on the helm of this thing, nobody would give a damn about this movie. Yeah, I... Again, talking about getting a big name. 
Yeah, I think that one needed a big name because there's yeah, I, I saw the trailer for that just before you got here and it's like, yeah, no. <laughs> it, it's been done. It, it's it, this is something that's going to like fall under the radar really. Unless they really go ahead and market it better than just the trailer was, you know, they really need something to punch it up because the story alone is not grabbing me. It shouldn't be. Um and in other Marvel news, uh Gore Verbinski has been picked up to direct Gambit. Okay, cool. So the Gambit movie is still happening, which, again, talking about going ahead and pulling back and reevaluating your movie for a second, that's exactly what they did with Gambit, and I think they're actually going on the right track now, because at the time, Gambit was supposed to have come out around the same time Logan was supposed to come out. That's what the time slate was. And then you have things like Deadpool, you have things like Logan, you have X-Men Days of Future Past, and to a lesser extent, X-Men Apocalypse. And you see, you get to gauge where the audience is now. You get to see what could work and what can't. Whereas, but it's still Fox. But it's still Fox, yes. So, I mean, it's still probably going to be a coin flip. But I like that they're actually going in the direction. And to get someone like Gore Verbinski, who, of course, directed possibly the best of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, the first one, <laughs> um, to have someone like him at the helm, it already adds a certain air to the movie and what the character could be doing. Because... Channing Tatum is still attached. He's been attached for a good long while. Are, is he? De- because I thought he dropped out. I thought something with Fox annoyed me. The directors no, had dropped annoyed, out. Like they, I think the two directors had dropped out of Gambit before they went ahead and been like, okay, let's, let's just hold off a bit. Because uh, I think they were still going with the whole idea of doing like a PG-13 type movie. But then with the success of Deadpool and Logan, they wanted to reevaluate, being like, can we do PG-13 or can we do R with this kind of character? Which... <laughs> with, with a... Uh... With a drinking, uh, sexualized uh, Louisiana man? Maybe. It's a possibility, <laughs> certainly. A, a, a far cry from Taylor Kitsch's version in X-Men Origins Wolverine, yes. But I think they wanted to go ahead and see what the options were. And with someone like Gore Verbinski, you can expect some sort of like grand scale. You know, It's not going to be a, a Tim Miller sort of like you know smaller size sort of story. This is something that could actually be blown out quite a bit. So who knows if this is going to be strictly in Louisiana, if it's going to stay down in the bayou. But as, if they do that, then fine. You know, you can probably get some epic, like, you know, riverboating alligators, really get a whole, like, southern with it. You know, gumbo being blown up in people's faces because he charged it up. You know, who knows what you want to do with it. Uh, but it's going to have some good scale. It's going to have some fun to it because Gorvaminsky... He's one of those actors that he's one of those directors that can balance those two things. Some people are just action, some people are just comedy. Gore can juggle, so I, that makes me very hopeful for this movie now. Whereas maybe before, I could have cared less. All right. Well, I, I guess well, I, I think I have to see uh, a little more to it before I can make my own judgment. But I don't. I can't recall the last time Fox has impressed me with any of their Marvel properties. <laughs> uh, be fair, I. Well, yeah, I guess there's Deadpool, but remember they fought tooth and nail against Deadpool until mm-hmm. like de- until Ryan Reynolds finally won. Right, <laughs> but I'd say lesson learned if that's the case. Which you know, even a company can be humbled. Lord knows we've seen that with Sony. But if Fox wants to go ahead and see, okay, well, there's other avenues we can go. Lord knows with uh, what they have to work with X Men wise, uh, Legion. Legion was such a big hit television wise it was it was so well done even if it was a little uh artsy fartsy but it was still really well done and gifted gifted looks like it's on a decent track you know we'll see how things go after the first episode 
and now you're looking at Gambit, and you're looking at what they're possibly doing with Dark Phoenix, getting Jessica Chastain, of all people, into the movie uh, to play uh, Lalandra. You know, they, they have the opportunity to go ahead and focus as much as they can on their X-Men properties, because Lord knows Fantastic Four ain't doing shit. Then, you know, Lord knows when that will actually get over to Marvel at some point. It's almost, it's almost an eventuality at this point. It's not an if, it's a when. Yeah, I mean... Marvel pretty much has killed off Fantastic Four, like the DC comic book. Well, so they're they're at the point where it's like we're waiting till we get the rights back, and all, then we'll. Although think about they it. are bringing back the Fantastic Four in Legacy, they are doing really? that. Yeah, that that's maybe like the only big news that Marvel had comics wise with the whole Legacy thing with like all these old people coming back and all that sort of stuff. I haven't. I I know nothing about Legacy to be honest. Um, basically, Legacy is their tentpole thing where they're bringing back like older characters to intermingle with the newer characters essentially so in the sense where they brought back wolverine after just recently killing him and bringing back steve rogers kind of like what they so, did at the end of uh, so there's uh the legacy wolverine in addition to the old man uh wolverine in the same universe now essentially and that's uh, also how they're bringing back the fantastic fjord uh, fjord <laughs> Fantastic Fjord. Fjord. Yeah, yeah. The, the Swedish version <laughs> of the Fantastic Fjord. You know, I don't think I want to continue it's four, stream, it's four streams <laughs> that go off into the ocean. The Fantastic Fjord. <laughs> Where we do the bargains and we, you know, we do eat fish. No. <laughs> I am not touching that one. <laughs> oh, I'm never going to be allowed in that country. But, <laughs> but I mean, that's how they're doing it. Because apparently, like... Um, the Reed children are going to have some role to play in like bringing them all back or something like that. So they're f- much in the way that there was talk about how the, the next Fantastic Four movie was going to focus on the Reed kids. Now the comic is focusing on the Reed kids and that's how they're going to bring back the core four of them. So whether or not they're just doing this to bolster up uh, an attraction for this upcoming movie, you know, make the, the children seem more important than they have been in the past, I don't know. I really don't know what Marvel's doing with it, but it's going to be interesting to see how many other old characters come back into the fray. And really, that's pretty much it on uh, far as Thursday's concerned. Now, Friday, the day I actually got to go. Mm-hmm. So first things first, I get onto the train and I'm getting up to M- MSG because I want to see Peter Capaldi. I want to see my doctor. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time I've actually gotten to see a doctor live. I've seen... Other characters, I, I got to see Missy two years ago, um, but this is the first time actually getting to see a doctor, actually seeing Peter Capaldi in the flesh, and it was cool. It was really cool. There was an energy about the room. It was the whole theater in MSG. It was like the whole thing was like filled to the brim, which is great for that early in the day, and it was just cool seeing him talk about his time on the show, talk about how he first learned that uh, the replacement was going to be a woman because they were uh, wanting a, a size of his pants. But in like a much smaller size, like a size thirty, <laughs> a male size thirty, and it's like that that can't be for a man. <laughs> it's like that. It's it's little stories like that, and just him talking about um, where he might be going from here, uh, whether or not his tenure is completely done. And as a Doctor Who fan, it was just it just felt great, you know, just seeing the man like talk and you know stumble over his words and be natural about it because it was an awe-inspiring sort of thing, you know. You're talking about a guy who, much like David Tennant, was a fan of the show even before getting onto it. Uh, you could argue that he was one of the first Doctors to actually be known before becoming Doctor Who, because Doctor Who was really like uh, a namesake for a lot of the people that portrayed him. 
You know, that's how they started out in their industry, respectively. But wasn't wasn't uh, I can't think of the actor's name, but the the fifth doctor, he wasn't he known before uh, he came on the series. He had like a popular TV show back in back thirty years ago. The fifth? Are you talking about the fifth doctor? Or are you talking about the fourth doctor, Tom Baker? No, fifth doctor. The fifth doctor. Uh, I can't think of his name, but apparently when they brought him on, he actually had some a little bit of name recognition coming in as the doctor. What was that, Davidson? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe, but the thing is, like, Davidson was relatively a young doctor. So, I mean, these these people that get cast for him, they're in, like, some show or another. But you can't say that it's really a show that made them. Doctor Who is usually the show that makes them. Well, then in that sense, it did in the loop really make uh peter capoli well the thick of it the thick of it i'm I'm thinking of the movie name yeah no no, no, i forget which one came first the thick of it or in the loop but i mean definitely anybody that knows his work knows malcolm tucker because it was just such a brutal character man i think actually seeing him as malcolm tucker and then seeing his doctor you almost see some of malcolm tucker like coming through when he gets angry Oh my God! You want to see the doctor curse? You want to see the doctor <laughs> just blow up at somebody and like riddle them down? And he does that as the doctor in some cases, but more of a, you know, a logical, methodical sort of whimsy sort of to it. Not just like you foul breathing whore. You know, it wasn't getting to that point. But it's like God forbid if they actually went and let him go full Malcolm. Well, what would you say made Arnold Schwarzenegger's career Conan or Terminator? Hmm. <clears throat> Because I think it's uh, the same thing. It's like I, I would say Terminator, honestly. Because I mean, Conan, Conan is what uh, what he first got known for. Yes, but it's not what made his name. Even because I mean, Lord knows they even tried to make the sequel after Conan, and the Conan kind of flopped. But as far as Terminator, obviously he's been able to ride that Terminator train for like decades at this point. Even after it fails. Yes, and it's being rebuilt yeah, again. Yeah, he. he even after promoting how great Regenesis was going to be, and now he's like, well, we, we got this other one. James Cameron's coming back. Linda Hamilton's coming back. It's like, aren't you all old yet? Ignore that. Yeah, no, because we'll do timeline stuff, and we'll change the past again. and Again you know. and again. You're not X-Men. You're not. Stop it. It annoyed. You know what? A lot of people complain about Salvation. I think I would have been less annoyed with Salvation if they didn't pull the time travel plot in what was now supposed to be non-time travel shit. <laughs> it could work. It could work. Um, sorry, I got uh, off topic with yeah, you. Yeah. We were talking All about right. Doctor Who. So we were talking about Doctor Who and, you know, got to pretty much getting to see him was like my highlight. And that was just how I started off the day. Everything else was like gravy on top of those mashed potatoes. That was great. Uh, other things that was going on, once I finally got to the Javits Center, that's when I heard about the Doomsday Clock. Uh, that's when I heard about Gotham by Gaslight, um, Ash vs. Evil Dead. Uh, they had the Finally. Little, yeah, they had the little uh, stage front uh, right out front of the Javits Center, like right in front of the building. So you got to walk through that. They had the, the jigsaw, uh, I guess, uh, escape room in a sense. Oh, no, don't tell me they're making another saw. Yeah, they're making jigsaw. God damn it. That's coming out this month. God. And they promoted it with an escape room of sorts. Which isn't a bad thing, because Lord knows the only escape room I ever did, it was for The Purge, when see, the second movie was coming out. You see, you started talking about Ash, and I got excited, and then you mentioned Sean. <laughs> uh, it, it's all of a sudden, like, someone who sees his attractive woman, and just like, oh yeah, and then something occurs that just, everything's gone. Uh, uh, what else was going on? Um, 
No, but I, I want to talk about Ash vs. Evil Dead real quick. Okay, I'm a, sure. I'm a huge fan of that show. All and right, so we are getting a third season, and that's coming out February, as opposed to the Halloween uh, deadline like it had done for the past couple of years. Yeah, that, and that, that was throwing me off for a bit. As actually Halloween, or October came around, I'm like, wait, mm-hmm. they got picked up for a third season, right? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> it took... Yeah, it wasn't until uh, until I just heard the announcement and saw the trailer. I like, well, no, no, no. I apologize. Was there a trailer yet? They they haven't made the trailer. They just a promotional. I mean, I saw something. Oh, they did have a uh, something out. Yeah, I don't know if it was like an official trailer, but certainly it looked like they were showing clips about what was going to be going on at the high school. Okay. Then that was on the little monitors in this little staged up area there. So I mean. I mean, it looks like it's going to be fun. Um, certainly, it's veering off more from the original story, even more so. I mean, I don't know how much further they can get away from how I, it all began. I think they need to. I think they really need to. Yeah, I, th- I think you've exasperated the stuff with the cabin and everything yeah. as much as you can. Yeah, I swear to God, if season three ends with the cabin again, I'm, I'm done with the fucking show. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the cabin. So he opens up a door in the high school, and all of a sudden he's in the cabin. I'm just like, God fucking damn it. Well, my thing is, I want more of the time travel stuff, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, why don't we go back to medieval times? I, You know, I was even shocked they kind of mentioned it, because they're not allowed to use any of the material from that. That That's the problem. They don't own the rights to the Evil Dead from the uh, from uh, Army versus... Uh, Army of that, Darkness. Yeah, Army of Darkness. Well, I understand that, but I mean, certainly they can go ahead and redo it. You know, you know, you don't necessarily have to do it verbatim the way the movie was set up. But I mean, you can take inspiration and try to redux it enough so this way it doesn't really count. Lloyd knows they did enough well, of that with the cabin. Yeah, no, well, that, that's what, a thing that annoyed me. Uh, I actually didn't. I like. I kind of liked the tra- time travel thing, and then it was ruined for me. Like, I thought season two was such a great season till the, like the the fu- the finale. Like the finale ruined it for me. Mm-hmm. One, uh, no offense to Pedro, I think he should have remained dead. I think, I think, I think that would have made a good thing for the series, just like The Walking Dead. But he was the People, heart. But I just the show like when someone dies, like they're dead, and that's that because that's what happened in Evil Dead. It was like the the original series was it was a slasher flick, ah, flick, a slasher flick where slasher everyone flick. just kept dying. It, I was. Ex- I won like a main character to die. That I thought that was beautiful. And then they brought him back and they brought Matt Hash's hand back, mm-hmm. which made no sense. Like all the stuff they did in the time travel didn't make any fucking sense. I mean, it does, but it doesn't. I mean, you have to look at it from this point of view. If they went ahead and they killed off everybody and they left Ash by himself again, mm-hmm. does that mean you recast yes. his, uh, you know, his compatriots? Yes. Or you let him follow on alone? Recast. Recast? So we're going to go like... Pedro all... wasn't a part of this until the series. So we're going to go all like Walking Dead and just like yes. kill people off and recast. And yes. kill people off and walk... God forbid if there's a black person in there, they're yes. killed automatically, which yes. is like what happened yes. in the first season. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. NAACP is going to be on your ass, man. But, no, I mean... I... It's different with kind of like television series, especially those with a comedic element. Like if it was a straight up drama, then yeah, I could see them just killing off everybody. A comedic show can have a dramatic element. Buffy the Vampire Slayer was pretty, had a nice mixture of both. And guess what? They killed off main characters. Not after a while, not for a good while though. Xander should have been dead seasons ago, and he lasted to the end. Be fair, main three did last for a very long time, but they did kill off... uh, 
Season three, they introduced a new uh, Slayer, and then she's almost immediately killed off. Right, but she was a new Slayer. She wasn't even part of the original but cast. Was she on? Wasn't she there for a bit before they killed her off? Uh, you're talking about um, Faith. Yeah. No, not Faith. Uh, there was a different one besides Faith. Oh, the black one. Yeah. Yeah, she came and went, and even then, was that third season or was that second season? But yeah, it was pretty much like because Buffy had died. You know, that's when the other one got activated. So mm-hmm. that's when she came all up with her, like, you know, all twisted, uh, you know, Mr. Twisty or Mr. Stabby. I forget what she called it. Uh, Mr. Stabby. Mr. Uh, Faith. I liked Faith. Yeah, no. But, but, but see, then you, get, you have new people that get added in. They come and they go. Uh, uh, Lord knows Seth Green's character came and went. Uh, mm-hmm. Charisma Carpenter, Cordelia came and went. And even, even she lasted. Even She went to Angel. She lasted. She got killed off. And then she came back to some extent and... All sorts of shit with her, you know? It, it depends on if there's a comedic element, I feel. If it's a dramatic show, it's easier to kill off people because then you need the drama of that death still weighing on people. But with a comedic, dramatic show, something like Buffy, something like Ash vs. Evil Dead, I think it builds up better to actually have them have the possibility of being brought back. Well, yeah, have, bring them back in another season or something like that. But, you know, just don't, don't just bring them back like an episode later because... It defeats the whole purpose of killing them off in that episode and leaving the cliffhanger there. Yeah, which is fine if you know that it's going to be more seasons. But I think with a show like Ash vs. Evil Dead, with as great as it is and with the high praise that it gets, considering the channel it's on, it's never always a guarantee that you're going to get another season. Then then leave it at that. Who cares? If he dies and you're not continuing the steri- series, then it's just another character who died on the way of the Evil Dead. <sighs> Jeez. It's... You just want blood. <laughs> I want a good show, and it, I think that everything was good up until that point. He died sacrificing himself to defeat the main evil. And mm-hmm. then, like, the the finale came along and fucked everything up, and I thought it was just stupid. It depends on how they work afterwards. You're just simply basing it off of this, this is the end cap so far. I, I don't think it worked, though. I just screwed up my headphones. <laughs> as long as you didn't screw up the, your audio, fine. No, but I, uh, I just, I did not like how that ended. I'm, I'm still looking forward to season three, but not as much as I was looking forward to it before I saw that stupid ass finale. All right, fair enough, fair enough. I'm, I'll still be looking forward to it myself. Um, and pretty much the uh, other big thing for that day that I had here, um, Spawn. Uh, there was some talk with Todd McFarlane now, since they are developing a new Spawn movie, mm-hmm. and. Uh, of course, it's going to be taking a different approach uh, since he's going to have a little bit more influence on it. The, he describes it as going to be a dark or supernatural thriller as opposed to the PG-13 action movie that we got back in the 90s. So I imagine this is probably going to be a little bit more like the animated series that you saw on HBO, something a little more similar to it, something in tone and something in you know description. So that's something to look forward to because obviously we've seen that darker comic book movies can work, whether it be Deadpool or Logan or, you know, anything else that could possibly come down the scape until then. And then there's also Runaways, uh, Marvel's Runaways, which is going to be Marvel's first foray on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Uh, now Hulu's not uh, oblivious to comic book uh, franchises. Lord knows they had their own animated series, The Awesomes, which ran for at least three seasons. Um and I, it looks like it's going to be fun. Uh, probably going to be a little shaky, but I don't know how familiar you are with the Runaway story. I'm fairly familiar. I never, I unfortunately never got to read the Runaways, but it was uh, something that like I, I was aware of and 
seems like a very interesting story. I love how you describe it as it's going to be fun. And it's like, is this a story about like a, uh, about a whole bunch of kids who discover their family or supervillains and run away. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't, what, how's that sound fun? <laughs> well, I mean, it's going to have like a bit of a Breakfast Club sort of dynamic, considering all these different characters integrating into one. Because, I mean, you obviously have different personalities for the six kids, and you're going to have like, uh, I don't know how the dinosaur is going to necessarily play into it or anything, but that's... I, I, this dinosaur was in the trailer. Yeah, because that's basically the one's power. She has a dinosaur. With, that, that's her power. power. She has a dinosaur. Basically, yeah. It's pretty much like Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur on a much smaller scale. I have laser eyes. What do you have? I own a dinosaur. Ooh, can I own a dinosaur? <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, the fun thing about that is that, you know, that was probably, like, the fun thing in regards to, like, walking around because the Runaways had, like, three little areas throughout Javits Center that you had to go to each one and, like, pick up the swag. You had to find the yellow lockers. You know, talking about the, the Atlas Academy where all the kids are. And uh, Lord knows I was doing that for at least a good two hours because the way the map is set up and the way the lockers were, I couldn't find shit. <laughs> so finding that stuff was like a little bit of a, a challenge, but it was like a fun little thing for me to go ahead and do. I was like, walk through the whole building and got to check out everything. Even got myself a fidget spinner. Oh, dear God. Yes, I finally owned this fidget spinner that I did not have to pay for. And it has little runaways and has Hulu on the back, uh, premiering November 21st. So You didn't have to pay for it. That's yeah, the important part. <laughs> As a matter of fact, so nice. I got you one too. Awesome! I finally got it. I did not have to pay twelve bucks for this goddamn thing. No, I just had to pay fifty to get there to get it for you. <laughs> it's very much appreciated. It won't go to waste for the next two days. <laughs> it's surprising how addictive this stuff is, really. Well, it was. It, it, sound. it was like the pod of this generation. So. I know, and it's a. It's like. <laughs> Yay! I, I can kind of maneuver. I, I don't know how kids do it, like the whole flinging on the finger thing. But yeah, so this pretty much distracted me for the day. Now, here's the problem that I had with Friday. I was dumb enough to not tap my uh, pass once I first got to the Javits Center for any of the main D, uh, 1D panels, for any of the main panels. So I missed out on seeing those firsthand. So instead, in sort of trying to find what I could do for the rest of the day, I ended up going to the Hammerstein Ballroom for the first time in my life, which, of course, as we are both wrestling fans, we know it has a rich history. Uh, and we got to go and see the panel for the Orville, which had um, Adrian Palicki, uh, Scott Grimes, and uh, who's the one that plays the Doctor? Uh, th those three were there. And uh, also you get Seth MacFarlane, on a big screen in the background, kind of hovering over them like God, which, you know, he essentially is in that realm. And it was a nice little Q&A session. You know, they asked, uh, you know, a couple of things going on. I wanted to go down there and ask, were you going to, re are you planning on replacing Norm MacDonald with Adam Carolla further on into the series? <laughs> um, but, I mean, like we had talked about before, it's like they're actually using the character. They have that little green blob, or yellow, or eh, offish. But they have him as, like, a reoccurring character. It wasn't just a one-off. Really? Yeah, and, and Norm is still voicing him. Nice. So, I mean, that's interesting. Um, they obviously talk about, like, you know, as long as the fans are enjoying the, the show, that's fine. You know, critics can say what they want. But I think after this week's episode with Charlize Theron, of all people, I think they finally hit their stride. So... How, how do the ratings look? Um, I haven't checked. I haven't checked the ratings. But, I, I mean, critically... You're getting a lot more positive word of mouth now that it, people are now trying to understand and getting what the show was supposed to be like in the first place. 
which is essentially like uh, Star Trek. And people, some people joked about that. It's like, we're happy to finally have a, a legitimate Star Trek series on television, kind of like putting a little dig at Discovery. <laughs> um, and it's adding a lot of humor into it. I mean, I'd say the crux of the... I keep using crux. I don't know why. I like it. But the main center of the humor on the show, I think, comes from Scott Grimes' character, uh, the pilot. So as long as they pretty much keep up with that more so than try to make everyone else a little more goofy, I think that'll stand fine. Uh, I think once you actually go ahead and take some of these characters and make them ridiculous, that's when you're going to start losing people. There has to be some sense of, like, these are people actually on a starship with very important roles. They can't be idiots. I, I guess we'll see where the series goes. I, my prediction still is Fox is going to cancel it. Just not be not on the basis of that it's going to be very unpopular, but it just looks like it's way too much money to make. And I'll be honest with you, I I haven't watched it since episode one because it just it wasn't bad, but it wasn't enough to make me go out of my way to watch it every week. Which is fine. I can probably understand that, but I mean, this is also Seth MacFarlane. Lord knows they give him enough rope that he can hang himself. So I mean, a season two probably isn't out of the realm of possibility. The only reason Seth MacFarlane wasn't actually there at the Hammerstein Ballroom and he was on camera and Skyping instead is because he was actually working on the season finale at that time. He was working in oh. the editing room. So, obviously, it's going to be a short season, as most uh, premiere seasons usually are, but the fact that he's already there working intently on it, you know, that does at least show a sense of dedication, and hopefully whatever vibes he got off the Comic-Con panel will, you know, possibly steer it in the right direction. Who knows? But... Like I said, after the last episode with Theron and adding her in, and it felt like a very Star Trek The Next Generation sort of plotline, it, it felt decent. It felt really good. It, it flowed. It wasn't like, oh my god, now they're going to be serious. Oh my god, now they're going to be you know comedic. It wasn't like the first episode. It, it had a much naturaler pace to it. So hopefully the rest of the season is like that. And I got to stay in the Hammerstein Ballroom afterwards because following Orville was a Family Guy panel. Which yeah. brought Seth MacFarlane back onto the screen. We got to see an early episode that is not going to be premiering until November. Um, which we actually got to see some of uh, Carrie Fisher and some Adam West uh, voiceover, which was very nice. Oh, Carrie Fisher was that? Oh, yeah. I mean, Carrie Fisher's been like a semi-regular on the show. She's pretty much the one that plays the boss of Peter oh, at the yeah, Pirate Talks Brewery. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, actually, the episode we saw was Carrie Fisher's last. Mm. But it was not Adam West's. See, Adam West apparently has voiced over quite a bit uh, leading up to his untimely demise. So they actually have enough Adam West material to sprinkle out throughout the season. So there's going to be quite a few more episodes with him voiceover. Uh, so don't think that uh, Batman vs. Two-Face is the last you'll ever hear of him. Uh, certainly throughout the whole season of Family Guy, you're going to be hearing some more Adam West. And of course, they said they will do something proper and pay tribute to him. And there was the question of what they're going to do with the mayor. They haven't figured that out yet. So that'll probably play into next year. Uh, once the second part of the season flows up, they'll have an idea. Yeah, who could you bring in for mayor after that? Is it going to be replaced with Michael Keane? I don't know. A lot, <laughs> a lot of people were saying Burt Ward. Get Burt Ward. Yeah. It's like, I could see the humor in that, but obviously you want someone that's going to be able to last. So... It's really going to be a question. Lord knows with as many people as uh, Seth MacFarlane's made friends with over the years, there's plenty of people that they could go ahead and pick for that have like an occasional voice because he's gotten some great talent like just sporadically. You know, he could get Liam Neeson. Yeah, that's true. He has gotten Liam Neeson. Yeah. So yeah, he could bring and he might make a good mayor. Yeah, it's like anytime there's like someone wrong with the budget, he's gonna call him up on the phone. It's like, 
Now you listen to me. You're going to get this budget taken care of. Or I'm going to take my particular set of skills. I'm going to come over to the office. And I'm going to take care of the paperwork myself. Which you do not want me to do. (laughs) (laughs) I I just picture him grabbing someone by the back and uh, just pointing a gun with a silencer to the back of their head. It's like, where is the congressional meeting? I want to know now. Oh, no, sir. (laughs) You better know. (laughs) Uh, Oh, and also, completely forgot about this. The Pacific Rim trailer. The Pacific Rim trailer premiered over the weekend, too. uh, Between uh, Friday and uh, Thursday. And I don't know what your feeling was about Pacific Rim to begin with. But I actually like the look of this one more so than the first one. And Mm. that's probably because it looks a little more ridiculous. So... Uh, it looks definitely more cartoony. It looks like what Transformers should have been in some cases. Uh, I, I like the aspect of uh, John Boyega doing what he has to do to fill in the role of Idris Elba's character because you can almost see like the connection between them and the way they look and the way they sound, which is very nice. And definitely, that's you, your daddy's son right there. Absolutely. Is Del Toro coming back? No, no. Uh, this is Sans Del Toro. This is Sans Charlie Hunnam. Um, uh, the Asian girl, uh, uh, Rinkyo, uh, uh, Kakuchi, I think her name is, uh, she is coming back. Whether or not she's going to be piloting one of the Jaegers, I don't know. But this is pretty much, uh, Boyega and Eastwood. Um, Charlie Day does come back. Charlie Day is in it. As is, uh, the other doctor that was, uh, working alongside him. I forget the actor's name, but yeah, I know, no, but I know he's from Torchwood. That's how I remember him. For he's the guy from Torchwood. Um, I haven't seen Pacific Rim. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> There's too many things I have not seen. That is unfortunately It's on the list of, I want to see it, I haven't gotten to it. Jesus, it's a good thing I'm the one that went. Uh, see, I rely on you for a lot of knowledge because I'm a shut-in. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, he's got the technical aspect. I've just got all the nonsense stuff. Um, I okay. read what it's about. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so leading up to today... Um, obviously I talked about Constantine, I talked about Justice League, I talked about Batman Two-Face. Uh, we are getting an X-Files Season 11, mm-hmm. which, uh, is gonna be longer than the last season they just had. It's gonna be 10 episodes, uh, it seems, uh, more like a procedural. It's not gonna be a Monster of the Week sort of thing like they did last time. It seems like it's gonna take a little bit more of a serious tone, less, um, less quirky. Uh, which I guess makes sense considering it was so long after they had the 10th season that little six episode 10th season that they probably just had to like test the water you know feel how things were because it had been a while since the company and anderson were together again so to actually go ahead and put them into something a little bit more serious i think is the right step rather than try to keep going quirky so i know the smoking man makes a comeback uh apparently there's some time travel time travel seems to be a big aspect right now and a lot of things so it's that's just there it's it's gonna happen like that and i wouldn't mind seeing the t-1000 just show up out of nowhere <laughs> my or just some robot just make some fake well, ass robot maybe well I, I just never remember his name patrick something um they the guy who played the t-1000 oh uh robert patrick robert patrick i like i didn't hate his character like i i watched the like that last season with him and it, it wasn't awful no, but I mean, that would kind of be kind of funny considering you'd have Robert Patrick making an appearance and then have a T-1000 come in <laughs> and it's like, they look exactly like each other. Technically still, are they both owned by Fox? No, well, who owns Terminator? 
I thought Terminator was Fox. Terminator. So yeah, he, I like, guess he could do it. Seems like it. See, the Fox is Sony. It's it's one of the companies that fucks up things. Um, <laughs> could be either one of those. And uh, Walking Dead. Um, obviously, there was a panel for the Walking Dead. Some of the characters come out for that. The big news coming out of that is that there will be a crossover between The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead, which is the really? sister show. Now, now it's not going to be like an expansive crossover. This isn't going to be like uh, Simpsons well, the, and Family Guy. They're like three or four years uh, apart from each other. so Right. So really, the crossover is going to come more into play as one of the characters will be crossing over from one to the other. Now, that could be... Uh, you go ahead and you show one of the characters before they entered The Walking Dead and you show them on the Fear of the Walking Dead. You show them like a prequel sort of thing, like a, a build-up to how they became who they were. Much like Glenn in the video games. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously you had a Glenn before and you, he even met up with Rick. So you show that character like that in Fear of the Walking Dead. Or you show one of the Fear of the Walking Dead characters come into The Walking Dead world and that you see them years after. So it's almost like, semi-spoilerish they don't know exactly which way they want to go with it they don't even sure which character they want to go with yet yeah the only characters i can think of is uh that i can't think of their names but the original family in the Mm -hmm. first season at that point they could have shown up in that area at that point or even just one of them Mm -hmm. i think it would actually make a little more have a little more weed if he actually showed just one of the family out up in like you know the kingdom or something and then it makes you wonder where the fuck is everybody else and, you know, add a little more depth to what may come on Fear the Walking Dead. Like, do they get killed? Do they split apart? Do they get lost? What happens? Make it sort of like well, a that, this that's is That's not what I was scenario. talking about. I was talking about the family from the first season of the regular Walking Dead. If you remember, there was a family that uh, they broke off from Rick's group and mm-hmm. they go out on their own. Like, at this point in time, in the time. Oh, no, I was talking about, like, the family from Fear the Walking Dead, the the first one. The, yeah. The, like, and, but yeah, at that point, then you're like, oh, so you would be ending Fear the Walking Dead in the next two to three seasons then. So you you couldn't go that far. Which, I mean, you possibly should be doing because, I mean... as Well, is the show doing much better now? It is, but, I mean, it's one of those things where it's going to be a question of whether or not they're going to be able to afford two Walking Dead series. Because th- while that one's doing a little bit better, the original one's kind of like tailoring off. Like, it's starting to cool down ratings-wise. Mm. So it's like, do we go ahead and just cut off Fear the Walking Dead and try to amalgamate it all into The Walking Dead, which is really the breadwinner? Or do we try to change it up some other way? Actually, if you think about that, if anyone from Fear the Walking Dead uh, shows up, that'll be the first person we know of who crossed the entire United States during a zombie apocalypse. That's true. So they would have more knowledge of what's going on than any other character. Which would make some of their choices during the original series maybe questionable. You know, it's like, if you already see what the hell's going on, why don't you tell people? Because mm-hmm. really, no one else seems to have knowledge about what's going on outside of, you know, the the southern states. Yeah. Which is kind of fucked up, you yeah, know. Yeah, that, they they've only moved between Georgia and Washington, D.C., correct? And not even Washington, D.C., they got as like, far as uh, Virginia. Yeah. So, I mean, they haven't even gone, like, beyond the Bible Belt yet. Which... You know, that, I mean, for what they do and for the characters they are, you know, I think it's better that they actually exist in that sort of environment with that sort of a country, rural, you know, heavily religious sort of undertone just over, over, all over the landscape, which I think plays into a lot of the people throughout the series, mm-hmm. than to try to go ahead and shoot them up to New York. Yeah, I mean, like, New York would, 
you couldn't do this in New York, I think, because New York would just be a zombie ground at that point. Yeah, no, it would implode on itself, probably. I mean, for God's sakes, people didn't listen when, you know, Al Gore told them that the 9-11 thing was going to get flooded by weather. Do you think anyone's going to believe anything about a zombie apocalypse until everyone gets eaten? <laughs> no. No, we, we, we are uh, shut-in people here in the North. Uh, we will admit to that. But, I mean, that's pretty much been the majority of the news leading up to now. Now, I don't know what's come out since you and I even started talking. Chances are there may be a story or two that may have flown on the radar. Um, hopefully something from Marvel, because like I said, Marvel, aside from its television properties, really wasn't pushing too much of anything else. Um, so I guess we'll see if anything comes out for Thor Ragnarok. I guess we'll see if there's any news changes coming out uh, in regards... Well, I guess there well, is Thor's... maybe one thing coming out afterwards, and that's particularly more Disney than Marvel. The fact that we're actually going to get a new trailer for uh, The Last Jedi tomorrow. Tomorrow? Tomorrow. Nice. There was a teaser today, which pretty much had uh, Rey flinging around a lightsaber on the island. You know, really getting her practice in. But apparently we are getting a trailer tomorrow, after Comic-Con and everything else. Which is a little underwhelming, because it's like after the fact. But I guess since tomorrow is Columbus Day, and it's going to be a holiday, more people are at home, more people have the time to watch. So I guess in that sense it's okay. Alright. Um... Well, that's cool. I, that, but that's the only. Je- uh, well, again, you know what? Also to mention, uh, when it comes to Ragnarok and uh, the Last Jedi, both those movies are coming out in the next two to three months. Yeah, I, not even that. Uh, next one to two months. Uh, Thor is next month, and Last Jedi is two months. Well, that's the other thing. Thor is next month, as is Justice League. Yeah, so, but they're two weeks apart from each other, I believe. Right, but I forget which one comes out before the other. I, I want to think say... Thor comes out first. I think Thor comes out the first week of uh, of November. I think second week, second actually, week? and I think Justice League comes out after Thanksgiving. No, well, I didn't. No, it, you look it up, but uh, because they were trying to figure out when they were releasing the Punisher, and one person figured it as the second week of November because that was the only time nothing was going on. For November. And they were still aiming for it. Well, you know what? They were aiming for a 2017 release. After what just happened in Vegas, They maybe they're pushing it back now. That's a possibility as well. Uh, let's see. Okay, yeah. No. Thor Ragnarok comes out November 3rd. And Justice League. Uh, no, not. No, Murder on the Orient Express. Pokemon the movie. <laughs> uh, okay, Justice League comes out November 17th. Along with the Star and Wonder. So, that's going to be a packed weekend. Star and Wonder? Uh, Star, animated film, talking about the birth of Jesus, uh, just in time for Christmas. Uh, Wonder, the kid with the disfigured face going to school. His parents are like Julia Roberts and Owen Wilson. Okay. You know, very heartfelt. Something for the ladies. And, you know, emotionally spirited uh, men. But, uh, not saying I want to see it, but, you know. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway! So, yeah, okay, so Thor Ragnarok comes out, like, in less than a month, actually. In, like, two weeks, pretty much like you said. Because, obviously, we still have Halloween and everything to go through. We have the horror movies coming out. We have Happy Death Day coming out next week. That's right. Which uh, looks like it's going to be uh, definitely bringing them in. It's like, what what happens when we take a slasher film and combine it with Groundhog's Day? <laughs> it, and and I, a female lead, which is, you know, par for the course on most horror movies. It 
I'm actually I'm quite curious to see it because it's like we already know she's gonna die multiple times. Yeah, it's pretty much like playing a video game. It's like like they almost made the the clip in the trailer. You have infinite lives, mm-hmm. so it's just a matter of like how many deaths can you do. It's like one of those uh, it's one of those games you find on YouTube or on the internet where it's like you press the button and you see how the death happens and you see if you can find all the ways that the person can die and just like complete it. Mm-hmm. So I mean that. That's going to be fun just for, like, the gore factor. That's pretty much, in a sense, what Saw was. And then we're getting a Jigsaw movie at the end of the month, too. So, it's it's gory. It's going to be a gory October. Not to mention, My Little Ponies is out, so. Oh, yeah. And uh, nothing mentioned on uh, Stranger Things, which is coming out, I think, in a week or so? Mm, no. Actually not. I, I mean, I think in regards to Stranger Things, they've promoted what they need to promote. So, I mean, that's pretty much just writing on its own. I think all the stuff they've been doing on social media, all the posters that they've done, which are pretty much uh, versions of classic movies, I think what they've done with Stranger Things is the best that they can do. Anything more is going to be over-embellishment. So, pretty much just better to let it happen. There were enough people that were dressed up as the kids. Uh, I saw a couple of uh, 11s with the waffles and everything, <laughs> you know, which was fine. Uh, but I'd say let the let the dog lie. You know, just let it take its course. When it comes out, it comes out, and it'll be good, I'm sure. All right. Uh, actually, one more thing I'll bring up. Uh, talking about Netflix, uh, just before you came over, I was trying to learn my own stuff about uh, what's going on at Comic-Con. Did anyone mention anything about The Babysitter? No one mentioned anything about The Babysitter, but I have seen the trailer that you're talking about, which looks funny, although, uh, I mean, it's got King Bach in it, and I can't stand him. Uh, I like him. You you hate him? Ah, he's just so one note. I don't know. It's, it's like I can understand why people find him funny. I just once you've seen one thing of his, you've seen all of his things. Hmm. And I guess just that's just because you know he had to be a certain type of funny for Vine. You know he had to be quick with it, and he had to have like a certain um, you know a certain timing with his jokes and how he came off, which I can understand, but. I don't know if that necessarily transfers over well into, like, live action, like, real television, movies, that sort of thing. Things of a longer stretch where you really have to be viable for that much more time. Well, we'll see what he's like when you watch him for more than six seconds. Yeah, exactly. Well, for when I can stand him for more than six seconds. (laughs) Like, if he's got, like, a minute dialogue or even a monologue in the damn movie, that's going to be the true test. But, I mean, you've already got enough characters where you're going to be jumping back and forth. And mind you, he's just an ancillary character, as is Robbie Amell. As is, um, uh, he seems like he's the comic relief. Apparently, some of them are the comic relief. Um, this story is primarily going to be centered on the boy and the blonde. Yeah, that's where the really it all comes into. Oh, and because no one, we didn't explain it uh, for anyone who doesn't know what the babysitter is. It is a new movie coming out on Netflix on October thirteenth. Um, about a uh, a kid being watched by a hot babysitter, and apparently. He finds out that a whole bunch of her friends are going to come over and maybe have sex, and he's excited about this, like, ooh, teenagers having sex. Yeah, it's like a coming-of-age, you know, attraction yep. to the babysitter sort and of then, story. And then he comes out to, to watch them, and then turns out that they're doing some uh, some evil ritual and then need him as the, uh, the virgin sacrifice. Yeah. And so then I, it becomes, like, Home Alone with a uh, cult aspect to it. Yeah, it takes a sharp turn. Uh, pretty much in the same respect that uh, Lil' Evil had a little bit of a sharp turn to it because you look at that and you're thinking, okay, well, this is just the omen. 
really. But then the comedy aspect comes in, and it's like, oh, it's a father-son bonding movie, you know? <laughs> and that that's how a lot of the Netflix movies seem to be going. It's like they steer you one way, and then there's a twist. It's like they went to the M. Night Shyamalan La Ding Dong school of movie making. Oh, uh, speaking of M. Night Shyamalan, did you ever see uh, Split? Yeah. I, I'll be honest, it's on my list of movies I have not seen. And mostly because just M. Night Shyamalan and the trailers, it just didn't appeal to me. And then I found out the twist of this one. And yes, there's a big thing about M. Night Shyamalan and his twists. Actually, the twist involves one of my favorite movies from him. Yeah, I think that was part of the idea when he was developing the idea of the of the movie. I don't know if it was something that came organically, but certainly it was something that was worked into rather well that you know people altering themselves and people having extraordinary abilities uh to go ahead and do a second movie about that it almost seems natural for it to be tied together like Mm -hmm. if you look at all the other movies that he's done it's you know ghosts it's aliens it's nature it's you know fantasy spirits you know a lot of things that really don't connect to one another but a guy with superhuman strength and a guy with multiple personalities is so grounded enough in its simplicity, why not put them together? So, yeah. it, it really does work. It really it really ties it all together. Obviously, Glass, when it's finished filming and it comes out, that'll be the real idea of it all really being brought into the same universe because, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what they'd really do with Samuel Jackson's character since he was supposedly locked up and everything afterwards. Yeah. So, as long as it's not as screwed up as Last Airbender, I'm looking forward to it. Ah, jeez. Last Airbender probably would have been a great film if it wasn't known as The Last Airbender. Like, if it had no ties to that animated series, it probably would have been a better movie. Because it had, because other than the name, it really had no ties to that other movie. Right, but the thing is, I looked at it from the perspective as I had never watched Avatar. Mm-hmm. I had never watched The Last Airbender. I had knew nothing about it before going into the movie. As far as the movie was... It was cute. It was a nice little story of, like, this guy who just, like, comes out of nowhere and is, like, reintroduced to the world and has these extraordinary abilities and it seems a lot more mature for his age and everyone coming after him. It's like, it, it to an extent, it almost felt like E.T. Uh, I, to be fair, I haven't seen the film. Maybe I'll, I'll give it a shot, but I, I it's the same as Constantine with uh, Keanu Reeves. I, I actually liked that movie, but I knew nothing of the original character at that point, so there's nothing to piss me off. Well, yeah, I mean, I but, think that's what a lot of people like. That's why a lot of people still like that film regardless. I mean, the Constantine we have now is a lot better and a lot more true to the comic, whether it's an animated form or live-action form. But I think back when Constantine, when the first Hellblazer movie was done with Keanu Reeves, very, 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 very few people had a reference point. So, and the few that did were upset. Yeah. Which, you know, you start to wonder, well, why are they so upset? Is it just because Keanu Reeves has, like, two emotional faces? Or <laughs> is it something else? You don't know. But now I think we have a better sense of who the character is. So whatever comes out now is going to be steps and grounds above everything else that we've already seen. Which I think is pretty much what always happens to any comic book character. The first interpretation is always, like, the roughest. And then there's rewrites and there's rewritten and there's reimaginings and... You just do what you can to try to find the best fit. And I think now, because we're living in like the supposed golden age of television, and movies are... As, we're in the golden age of that, television. That's how it has been described. We are in the golden Who, age of television. Who's describing it as the golden age of television? Television people. <laughs> 
It's the golden age of television. Ignore the failing ratings and the new technologies coming out. But it's I, the golden age. But I think that's the idea. <laughs> it's the fact that it's not all just on network. It's not all just on cable. You've also got Netflix. You've also got HBO. You've also that's got not Hulu. TV. <laughs> technically, it isn't, but technically, it is. If you're talking about just like uh, serial, periodic, sort of episodic sort of things, that's still television in, a, in the grandest sense that you can use the word. I. Uh, I don't know. I I think this is. I, I'm in. I work in the media. I don't think. Maybe it's the golden age of media. Are the of modern media, but well, then that would be a little bit of a different rephrase because when you talk about media, you're talking about all forms of media. You're talking about just, radio and newspaper, I don't which consider, are dying. Yeah, but you know, I think TV is the same thing. I when I look at TV, I'm thinking of antenna and cable. Uh, when I when I think of Netflix, <laughs> antenna is one of those. Them, that I'm thinking of, uh, I'm thinking of network. I'm thinking of computers. I'm thinking of smartphones. Yes, there are smart TVs that now connect, but I'm still not consider. I'm con- I don't consider this TV because I think it's a new modern technology. But don't forget, we're also on the older end of the millennial spectrum. You know, we're, we're like the first millennials. So I mean, mm-hmm. we have that cross reference to the time before and the time that we're in now. Whereas, the younger people of our demographic and generation. They don't see it the same way. There, I I know people that are technically millennials that have never seen Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and that hurts me to my core. I I just expect that there there's so many movies. I remember when I was a kid, there's movies that I would run across like this is a great movie. Why did I never hear of it before? Because there's just so many, mm-hmm. and now I'm realizing there's movies from my childhood that I remember vividly, but no one no millennials gonna know of. It's like, oh yeah, the fan, uh, the Phantom wasn't a bad movie. What's the Phantom? <laughs> same, same thing with um, the Shadow. The Shadow. Uh, but in the same respect, it's kind of like when Flatliners came out uh, this month, and I'm telling people I saw it, I fell asleep to it because it was very slow paced and it didn't grab me, and it was nothing like the original. And then they look at me, it's like there was an original. <laughs> Yes, 1990, boasting one of the greatest ensemble casts that was ever produced at that time. You want to see Keith Sutherland as a younger man? You want to see Keith Sutherland as a good actor and as a younger <laughs> man? You want to see him with Julia Roberts and Oliver Platt and Kevin Bacon and a who's who of like the late 80s, early 90s, and one of the Baldwins. I forget which one, but it wasn't Alex, There's so it wasn't important. <laughs> yes, that was a great cast lineup. The one we got for this one was, what the fuck, man? It's like, I, I see Kitty Pride, and that's about it. And that's the thing. No one even knew her name. They were just referring to her as Juno. <laughs> it's like, I feel bad for Alan Page, man. It's like, when you go ahead and you have a character... Like, they'll know Juno. They'll know a little independent movie about a girl that gets pregnant because chances are half the girls can relate to it at this age. And yet, they don't know any of her other stuff. Well, I think after 10 years, it's safe to say her uh, star has cooled down quite a bit. I what, can't... She hasn't really done too many other things that are really of noteworthy. Well, that's because she's done things outside of movies. Like she's done more um, philanthropic things, especially after coming out. I think she's been more active on that front than anything else. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. I don't know what happened there, but my computer is just being a fucking asshole tonight. Um, <laughs> so yeah, if, if you were watching the live stream, we got fucked up uh, there, and this is kind of us just fixing things. Although for a good hour and a half, for us to fuck up at the end, I mean, it's not a bad thing. Yeah, if we had done it like in the first half hour, and then we were struggling, then I don't understand. But we got a good episode just all in there. Yeah. So anything that if some got cut off in the middle of it, give us a heads up. We'll repeat it in a, another episode. But I think we get, left you guys with a 
good amount. And I think we covered just about everything at that point on New York Comic Con. So we we pretty much wrapped that up pretty nicely. Yeah, again, if there was anything that happened while we were talking in the past couple of hours, or if there was anything that did happen over the weekend, uh, noteworthy, that I didn't happen to touch on from my experience, uh, go ahead, write us, comment on the YouTube video, comment on the Facebook post, or wherever you happen to see anything with JT and Big O, and let us know so this way we can go ahead and see if there's anything we can uh, add to the conversation rather than what you probably already read. With that said, um, all our social media stuff uh, will eventually be in the description below. If it's not there right now, I've been being lazy. Um, but uh, that's that wraps it up for us, guys. Uh, for this special live episode, first attempt. Not, <laughs> not too shabby. You know, we tripped up at the end, but we still made it over the finish line. That's always good. Yep. And the we'll, next one will hopefully be in another two weeks. And we will be doing, what, com- uh, Halloween? I guess, I, guess it'll, I guess it'll land on Halloween. Yeah. I mean, probably we don't do something sooner. It depends, but we'll definitely try to have something around the Halloween time. Who knows? Maybe I can get JT in a costume. That should always be good. Oh, oh come on! Be, get in the spirit. No. Stores that pop up everywhere. No. <laughs> You're getting a costume. Don't worry. If if the woman that was making love to me could not get me into a costume, I don't think you're gonna do it. <laughs> what if I get two women? We'll talk. Uh, (laughs) always a plan always a way but anyway you want to go ahead close this yeah i'll close it especially i want to get the image out of some people's heads um (laughs) all right so with that with that in mind thank you very much again for joining us or listening to us uh i'm video geek jt i'm ryan big o regan and uh again we do this almost every two weeks so you can catch us again in the near future thank you guys very much and we'll catch you next time which was Halloween. Woo! Okay. Does this do anything to the video feed? Like, is it messing it up? Yeah. Well, I can see it. It's a fan. Oh. Luke, I am your father. I, I was really trying to like mess it up a little bit more. Nah, it's not that bad. <laughs> this is the best auto we can do. All right.